1998 was the year that solidified my thinking about breathing. Like I know you're probably thinking right now, that is so strange because you were a teenager, James. You were like 16, 17 years old in 1998. You would think that you knew how to breathe. Am I right? Now, you know, our human body, like, you know, tells us automatically, you know, like, you're going to breathe. And like, so I wouldn't think, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about, well, let me get into that in just a moment. 1998, y'all, I don't know if you remember what happened in 1998. See, like, everyone was worrying about the year 2000, Y2K. Everyone was worried about, oh man, you know, all the computers are going to shut down, so Disney World is going to shut down, and all life's going to shut down, and all the milk's going to spoil, and it's going to be bad, and everyone's going to die. No? Just me? Okay. Anyway, so 1998, though, is a bigger, more cataclysmic, end-of-the-world thing that was going to happen. There was an asteroid headed at Earth. Do you remember that? Do you remember 1998? There was a gigantic asteroid headed to Earth, and everyone was thinking, we have no clue what we're going to do, except for two guys. Two men bravely got on this weird-looking shuttle. Y'all don't, y'all don't remember? They got on this weird-looking shuttle, and... And one of those guys went to sacrifice his life for the rest of humanity. Those men were Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. <laughs> and they went up there. I tell you, that was the biggest. Oh, man, my heart was just pounding that whole summer until they saved the world. The event was called Armageddon. They even made a movie about it. And then they came out with this song. There was a song that came out with the movie Armageddon. It was performed by Aerosmith. In fact, it blew my mind. I was doing research for this message and it blew my mind that this was their first number one hit, 1998. I'm like, what? They're back from the way before 1998? But there was one line in their song, one line. And y'all all know Steven Tyler, like he's weird, number one, but he sings, like he's got a very distinct voice. There was one line in that movie, in that song, that he sang that changed the way I viewed breathing for the rest of my life. And it was this line right here. I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Right? Y'all... Y- have y'all heard that? Maybe you heard the, 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 the country version. Maybe you heard the, I have no clue. Like they remade that song over and over and over again. That line, I could not get it out of my head. I still can't to this day. It haunts me and so you're welcome. Now it can haunt you all. And that's the way I was like, if I never heard that line again the rest of my life, I would be fine until about 10 or 11 years later. I'd been married for about three and a half years, and there's some weird advice that my, that one of my friends gave me. I don't know if any of you out there have like that weird friend that gives you the weird advice, but like I had a weird friend gave me some weird advice, and, and I found myself three and a half years into marriage, changing the way I viewed breathing the rest of my life, like it, it changed, and I found myself, it was late at night, I did this a lot. It was late at night and like I would I'd like crawl out of bed, try to like make it to where it didn't creak to where everyone else woke up in the house. And like I'd tiptoe. Like, like it's, you know, because like on, on, floor, on certain floors, if you, if you move the wrong way, it just sends ripple effect. 
walked out to the rest of your house and like I tiptoed to the bedroom down the hall. Really, it was just across the way. And, and I opened the door and like snuck in just a little bit. And I put my, my ear a little bit closer and then I tilted it down just to hear my daughter breathing. Any of you parents out there do that? Like, did y'all ever do that? Like, find yourself sneaking into your kid's room or your grandkid's room just to hear them breathing. I believe that there's two people in this world. There, There are two types of people when it comes to breathing. They're the type of people that don't think about breathing and they can't. And then there's the type of people, there's the type of people that, that do think about breathing and they can. And again, I'm not talking about simple breathing because that's a natural body function. I'm talking about like when all of life's problems begin to pile up on you. And all of life's worries begin to pile up on you. And like someone shoots a text message or an email or a phone call or tells you and like it just punches you in the gut and it knocks all of the air out of you. And all you can think is, I just want to breathe. And that happens to us when all of life's problems begin to pile up on us, doesn't it? I mean, like, when, when that question comes, you're like, well, well when is this going to happen? Like, when is my boat finally going to come in? When, is, when am I going to graduate? When, when, is, when am I going to get to go see so-and-so? When, am I, when, when are they going to call? When is this going to happen? And you start to think, oh, when, 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 when? Or, or maybe you start to think of the question, well, why did this happen? Like, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to our family? Why did this happen to us? Why did this happen? And, like, you start thinking, why? Or... You think, well, well, how am I going to pay for? <laughs> if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, or you might just be out there, like, you're thinking, I can't pay for. And you're thinking, how am I going to pay for this surgery? How am I going to pay for this problem? How are these medical bills? They're piling up. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for college for my kid? Maybe the kid, do you really need to go? Like maybe you're just, you're starting, starting to think some weird stuff. How am I going to pay for this? These creditors are calling. How am I going to pay for this? You start thinking, what am I going to do? Or who's going to save me? Or who's going who's to be the new, who's going to be my new classmate? Who's going to be my new coworker? Who's going to be my new boss? Or who's, who's going to be the person that like helps me out here? Who's going to answer my questions? Who's going to solve me for, like save me from my problems? And you begin to get doubt in your heart. And you begin to get fear that overtakes you. to get overwhelmed and our fears and our failures and our doubts and being overwhelmed. And you, I mean, have you, have you found it hard to breathe lately? Because if you've found it hard to breathe lately, I mean, it's hard to breathe when, like, it's hard to move. It's hard to, like, just want to get up in the morning when life is, when it seems like the breath has just been sucked out of you, right? Scripture tells us what we should do, what to remember, and, and I just, I'm like, I want to let you know this morning, if that is you, and if you feel like all of life's problems, maybe your, maybe your life was great before today, and then everything's piling up today, since you've gotten here, and you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to tell you that this morning, that there's hope, there's an answer, and that there's a way to help you breathe. If you would flip with me to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 for, a, uh, for the majority of the message, but while you flip there, I want to remind you of what Pastor Owen left off with last week. Matthew 28. Pastor Owen left off in Matthew 28. We typically call that the Great Commission. There's just a couple verses I want to bring to your attention. Jesus had died and he 
had rose again. His people, his followers, his, they were like, oh, you know what, where did Jesus go? He died, our king, our savior of the world. The who's going to, you know, when our ship came in and who's going to solve our problems and how's this going to get fixed? And, and all, you know, like he's gone. And they were heartbroken and life's problems began to overtake them. And then Jesus rose again. I love that message that Jesus rose again. And that's why I think, that's why I believe that all of life is about Jesus. But Owen had mentioned, he said that some doubted. Do you remember that? Pastor Owen mentioned that some people doubted. Like some people still had questions. Some people still had fear. Some people still had failure. Some people were still overwhelmed. They're like, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know when this is, I don't know what this is going to look like. And she's like, that's okay. Because I want to read you a couple verses. I just want to read you one, really, in Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus says, Go therefore, in, 19, in verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Right? Do you remember that? And the more I got to thinking about it, I'm like, why in the world would Jesus say, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? And so part of me is thinking, okay, it's, it's because it's the triune Godhead. It's God in three persons. Thank you. It's God in three persons. And, and so I started thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, that's what we normally think about. And we don't go any deeper into that particular part of the verse. But then something came over me. I'm like, you know, that's probably not all that we need to know about quelling our fears and our failures and our doubts when we feel overwhelmed, like when we want to learn how to breathe again, Jesus is telling us something a little bit deeper there. And he mentions God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I think for this particular reason that they have all authority. All authority. All authority over your problems and all authority over your fears and all authority over your failures and all authority over your doubt and all authority over your questions. They have all of this authority. And then Jesus says this. He says, I am with you. Does that not strike you as weird? That Jesus died, he rose again, and he's about to go back into heaven and he's about to leave the people forever? Physically, and he says, hey, it's okay because I'm with you. How are you with us, Jesus? I don't know, maybe you've never thought that. Maybe my brain's just a squirrely one here. And then I get to Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, if you're looking at your copy of the Bible, mine says, like it's got like a, a, a name for verses 1 through 11. It's got a subtitle. It says what? Mine says the life-giving spirit. And I don't know what yours says, but mine says the life-giving spirit. And I think there's a key connection between the life-giving spirit and when Jesus says, I'm with you, and when we're thinking about all of life's problems, and we're thinking about all of the things that could go wrong, and we're thinking about all of these questions and all these problems that pile up on top of us and it make it hard for us to breathe. And I think there's a connection here. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore... No condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. 
And I just want to stop here just for a moment because, and it's in your notes. It's in your notes that says this. Life in Christ emphatically shouts, you are not guilty anymore. Some of us this morning, we need to hear that. We need to know. We need to realize. We need to feel it deep within that. We are not guilty anymore if we are in Jesus. And so you're probably sitting there thinking about what you did last night. Or the argument that you had on your way here this morning. Or that decision that you're thinking, and you you know it's a wrong decision, and you're thinking, oh, I just feel guilty already. I feel shame already. But if you're in Jesus, and that's the qualifier there, you are not guilty anymore. And a lot of our doubts and fears can be squashed with that verdict of freedom. In fact, Jesus said here in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, he kind of mentions, in verse 26 he says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Like, the Holy Spirit of God, the Counselor. I'm just going to stand in front of the pulpit, I think. I like to move around a lot, so I'm just going to stand and speak in front of the pulpit this morning. That I'm going to be with you always, and I'm going to to send this counselor to you. And I'm going to share this counselor with you, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you and he's going to guide you. And there's one thing that I want to share with you. If there's one, one little quote that I could share with you for a moment. It says this, that the crucial key that unlocks true living belongs to the Spirit of God. And so that's who we're talking about this morning for a few moments. For these last few minutes, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The crucial key that unlocks True living, it belongs to the Spirit of God. And so we get there in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. And he shows us, Jesus shows us, Paul shows us, two laws in life at work. He says, you know, that there's no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus because, number one, the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus said, you free from the law of sin and of death. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's domain. Like Jesus went to attack the very problem on the home turf of where the problem existed. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those whose lives are according to the flesh think about things that are the flesh like we think about where our mind is wandering. But those whose lives are according to the spirit who think about the Spirit, who think about breathing in the Spirit, those folks about the things of the Spirit, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God, but it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. A lot of stuff here. Two things. Number one, the law of sin and death. It leads to captivity. And I don't know if you're in that mindset of death right now. I don't know where your mind is. I don't know where your heart is. You may have been invited by someone to come to church today. Someone said, hey, I'd really like for you to join me. I'm going to buy you lunch later. Uh, If they're not buying you lunch later, maybe they'll make you lunch later. uh, So that's free on me. But they're probably like, hey, I want you to come. And so you came today and you're thinking, I had no clue about this. And then all of a sudden, 
You hear in this morning, okay, there is a reason why I'm doing the things and acting the way I am. It's because we call it the law of sin and death. That we are choosing to live a particular way. And it's a way that leads to captivity. And it's a paralyzing thought. In captivity, you are subjected to a never-ending cycle of stagnation. It's kind of like a fish tank. And if, I don't know if you've seen the movie Finding Nemo, but after a while, like, the fish uh, concoct a plan and they, get, they, dis, they disengage, the, uh, they disengage the, the filter, the pump, and so all of a sudden it quits pumping and so it quits circulating. It's like the water in fish tank. When it's not circulating, what happens? It stagnates and there's green stuff everywhere. And then your wife's like, hey, you need to clean that out. And you're like, that's gross. The law of sin and death, you are naturally opposed to God's way, and it happens when we lead ourselves. Some of us in here think like we we are thinking for ourselves, we think about what pleases us, and we're not thinking about what pleases God. But some of us, some of us, and I think this is even worse, are what this next quote from Francis Chan would say. Francis Chan writes, You don't need the Holy Spirit if You're merely seeking to live a semi-moral life in a 10 church regularly. I'm going to let you write that one down because that one hit me in between the eyeballs. He says, you don't need the Holy Spirit if you are merely seeking to live a semi-moral life in a 10 church regularly. Hey, I'm coming to church. I'm punching my card. Congratulations. I was here. I don't do bad things. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't lied on my taxes too much. And so I must be a good person. You don't need the Holy Spirit. That's, that's just a normal person that's walking through life. I wouldn't even say that the Spirit has even transformed your life. If that's the way that you're living. People that are serving Jesus are the ones that need the Holy Spirit. And I would venture to say that Jesus has called all of us to repentance. He wants us all to live a freeing life, the life we're intended to live. And so I would venture to say that all of us need the Holy Spirit. But some of us are just tricking ourselves in this law of sin and death. Number two, so there's the law of sin and death. There's also the law of life in Christ. The law of life in Christ. And you know, I just want to go back to that other point for a moment. If that is you, and you're playing the church game, and you just attend, and you don't serve Jesus, and and you just try to live a moral life, and that is fine for you, I want to tell you this morning to get your act straight. Get your act straight. Life is too short. Life is way too short to be messing around with eternity. And it is too short for your brothers and sisters, your parents, your grandkids, your kids to like go through life not hearing about Jesus and not seeing Jesus live through you. Quit messing around with your life. Number two, the life of the law of life in Christ sets us free. The law of life of Christ. Verse two, the Spirit's law of life in Christ has set you free. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. For those of you that are set free by the law of of life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about eternity. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. You don't have to worry about the guilt of not measuring up. The guilt of not doing things. Not being able to follow Jesus. You don't have to worry about like low self-esteem. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. 
anymore because Jesus, the law of life through Jesus, the Holy Spirit can set you free from that. Romans chapter 8 verses 8 through 10. Just want to read a few more verses for you. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. I hope that is not you. But if that is you this morning, you can be set free this morning. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Here's your big idea this morning. This is the one thing, if you don't catch anything else this morning in our last couple minutes together, it's this. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. I just want you to like, just, we're going to go grade school just for a moment, all right? We're going to repeat after me. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. Like if you've got the Holy Spirit living in you, If you said yes to Jesus, I give my heart to you, I give my hopes to you, I give my dreams to you, I give my life to you, I give my actions to you and my thoughts to you, I live for you, Jesus, then the Spirit is in you and He has set you free. And if you've been wondering like why your life is not, like things just aren't happening, if you've been wondering why these problems keep piling up, if you keep wondering why like I can't breathe in life, I want to, I wonder if you've been set free by the Spirit of Christ. I wonder if you've been set free, if you've trusted, fully given over all of your control to Jesus. I wonder that. Because that's something I had to come to grips with. It wasn't until I was in college when I finally realized I hadn't given everything over to Jesus. And I started to live for him in all of my hopes and all of my dreams. If you hear me in any sermon, any message on Wednesdays or up here, anything like Jesus is like someone's like, well, why should I? Well, Jesus is the answer. I even jokingly said that at our, at our family feud last night with, uh, with our dinner. I'm like, one of our students gave the answer of Jesus. I'm like, well, that should be your answer for everything is, is the wrong answer that night. But like your answer for life should be Jesus. The Holy Spirit in me sets me what? It sets you free to be who God created you to be. Some of you are sitting in here and you are not being the person that God has created you to be. But the Holy Spirit can set you free to be that person. You can... It's in my notes. The Holy Spirit in you can free you to love again. Some of you might find it hard to love again. You've given your heart out. And you're like, man, someone's trampled on a divorce, you know, death. And you're like, I can't love again. The Holy Spirit can set you free to love again, to dream, to help others. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're like, man, I, I've been all about me, 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 me. I don't know what to do. Maybe the Holy Spirit can set you free to love other people and help others. And this is me. Maybe the Holy Spirit can set you free to not worry. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. Robert Mounts, he writes this. He says, does not experience teach us that every attempt to live the Christian life apart from the empowering presence of the Spirit of God ends in defeat? Doesn't experience teach us that? Like, if I were to ask, 
a good bit of you out there that have lived longer and walked the road with Jesus longer than I have, if I were to ask you that question, doesn't experience teach us that, you would say yes, that walking with Jesus, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, it ends in victory. But if you do not walk with Jesus, it ends in defeat every time, 100%. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. But in Jesus, you can do all things. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, yet in Jesus, you're free to live. The Holy Spirit in me sets me free. Now, I could end this now, and it would have been a fantastic time with you, but there, the very next verse in Romans chapter 8, I think, is this kind of verse, I'm so glad that the Spirit led Paul to write, because it is this next verse that I think can dramatically change your life and your trajectory where you're headed forever. And I would be remiss if we didn't look at this very next verse. Like, it is that verse that I looked at, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I have this one. I'm so glad it's in the Bible. It's verse 11. It's empowering, it's encouraging, it says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Oh, man, if you can just imagine that. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If He is living in you. The very spirit that took Jesus out of the tomb and said, poof, and you're back to life. The very spirit of God that raised Jesus back from the dead, if he is breathing in you, is there anything you can't do? Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. I'm like, oh my goodness, to think about the Spirit of God living in me. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in me. I can breathe again. In fact, I want to turn your attention to the last little part on your notes. Romans 8, 11, where it says, Numa, its meaning and its ramifications. The word there, and you've probably seen it or heard it before, maybe you haven't, it's the word Numa. And yes, if you try to type that in your phone, it'll try to autocorrect you. If you type it in Microsoft Word, it'll say there'll be a little red squiggly line. It doesn't recognize the word because the Spirit of God is not living in Apple and it's not living in Microsoft. I'm fair. I'm fair and balanced. But Numa is the word for spirit. And in the Old Testament, the similar word for it, if you look in the Septuagint, like the Greek translation of the Old Testament, you see the word ruach. The Greek word, or the Hebrew word is ruach, and they both mean spirit. In fact, they both mean, they both mean like the spirit of God, like his breath living in us. The very breath of God, the wind of God living in us. So I look at that verse in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. I think if the spirit of God living in you, if the breath of God living in you. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 1 when it mentions that the spirit of God was hovering over the waters? For a moment I just imagine the breath of God hovering over the waters. And do you remember how man came to be that God breathed 
into him. That there's the borrowed breath of God, the borrowed spirit of God that he breathed into man to make man come to life. And so I think of all of these different connections. And that when you allow the spirit of God to move through you, to breathe through you, I think true living will really happen. My questions for you this morning is this. What breath is in you? Is it just your breath? Like, is it literally like just your breath that's living in you? Or or is it the very breath of God? If you're here this morning and you're like, you know, the breath, I think it's just my breath in me. I have never trusted Jesus. I've never given my heart and life to Jesus. Well, why would I want to do that? I'll tell you why you want to give your life to Jesus. It's because you were born sinful. You were born with a way of thinking where you want to do things on your own for your own ways, for your own aims, for your own pleasures. We were born that way. We inherited it from Adam and Eve. Congratulations. Thanks, Adam and Eve. You were born that way. And because of that, a holy God cannot ever be around someone that is imperfect, someone that is not holy, someone that lives for themselves. God cannot be around imperfect things. And so as such, the penalty of that is death. The penalty of that is separation from God forever in eternity. That is forever for you. And yet God, who is rich in mercy, gave us his son Jesus, sent his one and only son Jesus to this planet to take your sins, your way of living forever. And he nailed it to the cross and he died. And then he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us if we are in Christ. And that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever trusts on the name of the Lord and says, Jesus, I trust you with my life, guess what? You live forever with God. And so if it is only your breath that is living in you this morning, I want to invite you, number one, to say yes to Jesus today. I want you to say yes to Jesus. I want to live for you. I want to be saved. I want to give my heart and my life to you. I want to be yours. I want it to be your very spirit breathing through me. And for, for others of you, the question is this. Maybe you have the breath of God in you, but maybe you haven't been allowing God to use you. My question is, will you allow God to use you? Will you submit to his plan? What is it that God is asking you to do in serving him? Because I guarantee it's not just living a semi-moral life and attending church regularly. It's serving Jesus. Here, near, and far. And proclaiming and displaying Jesus supremely, fully, and widely. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are good and you are great. Jesus, you are supreme. You are above all. You are above our hopes. You are above our dreams. You are above our own ideals. Because Jesus, you can shape, you have shaped us, you have formed us. And before time began, you had a plan for us. And you have a direction for us, Jesus. We need to submit to you. Father, I pray for those in here this morning that have never said yes to Jesus. That are not living for you, Jesus. That this morning they're saying, you know, I need to learn how to breathe. I need to learn how to breathe when all of life's problems are on me and I need that spirit of God in me. Jesus, I pray for them this morning that they will say yes to you and give their lives to you, Jesus. 
You got to pray for all of us that instead of being content with a status quo, that for all of us, we will take the very breath of you and that we will breathe it out in serving you, Jesus. You've called us at a time of decision this morning, Jesus, to serve you and to live for you. God, I pray that we are faithful to do so. It's in your name we pray. Amen.